Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com, that's patreon.com forward slash baldheadbible, and there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. There he was. Saul was right before him. David could kill him. And David knew it. David raised his sword above his head and... Now let's back up and when we last left David, he was running. And now he's about to kill Saul? I mean, hey, things are going well for David. Or are they? And what in the world is happening here? How did we get to this point? Well, David is hiding out in the forest of Hereth, and he's hiding out from Saul, who is out to kill him, and he just got Abiathar, the priest, to join him there, because, remember, this horrible thing had happened where Saul had killed all the priests there at Nob, and and David said to Abiathar, you stick with me, and I will take care of you, and I'm so sorry it showed the evil intent of Saul? Well, the story of the killing and the massacre and Nob began to spread. Well, David is hiding out in this forest. And while he's there, certain men from the city of Keilah come to him and say, Hey, listen, David, the, the Philistines are killing the people of and and they're they're hurting us and in fact they're robbing our threshing floors now a threshing floor is where a farmer would take their grain or their wheat that they just harvested and they'd put it on this big floor made out of rock and then they would drag this stone back and forth over it or sometimes they would just it would be up on a hill and the the wind whoosh would come through and take away the chaff and the heavier wheat would just stay. And then sometimes they would also grind it out in a form of threshing. Well, either way, this was valuable wheat. This was their food. 
and the Philistines are coming into the city called Keilah and taking all their food and robbing the people blind. And the residents and the men who had escaped of Keilah had come to David and said, Listen, you gotta help us out. Now, it's an interesting thing to me that they went to David, a refugee, essentially, running away from Saul. But they didn't go to Saul. I think maybe because the story had got out that, hey, Saul's nuts, stay away from him. And instead, they went to David, the man who everybody thought was and should be king. I wonder if, wonder if that's why. But either way, they came to David. Now, the thing is... Keilah was right on the border of Israel and Philistia, or where the Philistines' territory was. So sometimes it would be in Philistine territory, sometimes it would be in Israel territory. So either way, this is a dangerous place to be. And so David inquired of the Lord, and he said, Should I go and attack these Philistines at Keilah. And you know how he inquired of the Lord? You know how he asked him? I don't know if you remember it, but Abiathar, the priest, brought with him the ephod. Now, I don't know if you remember, but way back in an earlier episode, we had talked about how the ephod worked. It was basically a a vest that the priest wore, and in it were stones that were thrown And that the priest used to cast lots. And the priest would use it to get a yes or no response. And God would use that to directly talk to the person through the priest, through the ephod. Yes, do it. No, don't do it. So David contacts the priest and inquires of the Lord, should I go attack Keilah? Which again, I think shows his heart. I mean, David could have just ran out there. I'm a man. I'm going to go with my 400 men and we're going to attack and win. Or he could have said, no way. You go talk to Saul. I'm hiding. David takes neither approach and instead does what we should all do before a major decision. He asks God's wisdom. And he comes to the priest and says... We need to talk to God. Should we attack Keilah or not? And God says through the priest, Yes, go attack the Philistines and save Keilah. Yes, let's do this. So he turns in the power of the Lord and says, All right, men, we're going to go and we're going to save the residents of Keilah. Let's do it. But the men are like, um, hello, we're not doing this. We're afraid in Judah. How much more are we going to be afraid in Keilah, surrounded by Philistines? We're afraid in this forest and Saul's miles away. Do you think we can actually do any good there? No way. So David again goes back to the Lord and inquires of him. He takes the men's advice. And he goes back and inquires of the Lord. And he says, Lord, should we attack Keilah? And God responds with a yes. Get up. Go down. I'm going to give the Philistines into your hands. So David turns around, goes out to the men, and says, Twice now God has said to do it. We can do it. Let's go. And the men all get riled up. And yes. And so they head west to the town of Keilah. And it says they... 
destroyed the Philistines. They just wiped them out. And they just knocked them a new one. I mean, it doesn't talk about the battle, but it says they fought with the Philistines and struck them with a great blow. David and his men saved, woohoo, the inhabitants of Keilah. Well, things are good. They now are in a city. They now have people who are grateful. Thank you, David, for saving us from the Philistines. Well, sadly, the news gets out. And Saul hears that David is in Keilah. And Saul, ha! Big smile comes on his face. And Saul is dumb enough. He says, God has given him into my hand. Now, now where he thinks that, he just killed the priests of God. God has clearly departed from him. He's filled with this evil spirit that keeps messing with him from God. Why he thinks he's working for God, again, I think it shows Saul's derangement. But, but Saul's excited. Why? Because Keilah is a town that, that, that has gates and bars. It says there in the Bible, in 1 Samuel 23, that Saul says he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. What he's essentially saying is, there's only few ways out. He's trapped himself in there. And if I block those ways out, I've got him. I've got him. And so he summons all the people to go to war. Now think about it. He's going to war against David. He summoned his whole army to go to war against 400 men. This man's nuts. Well, the news gets back to David that here comes Saul and he's plotting to kill him. And, you know, he's running out of time. Me, I'd be like, all right, men, let's set up our barriers. Let's set up a plan of attack. And you know what David does? He consults God again. He stops and pauses. And he asks Abiathar, the priest, to bring the ephod because he's got to talk to God. And he says, oh, Lord, God of Israel, I've heard that Saul's coming to seek my death here at Keilah. And he asks God this simple question. Will the men of Keilah surrender me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? Oh, Lord, please tell your servant. Because he's thinking, maybe the men of Keilah will rally round me. Maybe the men of Keilah will join me. Or maybe Saul will lose heart and decide to stick where he's at. And he's asking God for foreknowledge, which I think is really interesting. He's saying, I want to know the future, God. Will Saul come down to Keilah? Will the men of Keilah work with me? Or, or will they deliver me into Saul's hand? And it says that God answers him. And through the ephod, God says, yes, Saul will come down. And to the answer, will the men of Keilah surrender me into the hand of Saul? God answers, they will surrender you. Men of Keilah are going to stab you in the back. If you stay here, David, they're going to surrender you into Saul's hand. 
So David is like, you know, man, as he pulled the metaphorical knife out of his back, he's like, I can't believe the men of Keilah would do that. Seriously? Well, I've got to trust God. So he started with 400, but he leaves Keilah with 600 men. It says they went wherever they could go. They're desperate. They just got out of town. And they ran to this wilderness of Ziph, which I think is a cool name, Z-I-P-H. They ran to the wilderness of Ziph and just hid in the strongholds. Now, a stronghold would have been like a cave or a rocky outcrop that would have been very difficult for an enemy to get into and easy for you to defend. And they hid. David hid in the middle of a desert. David is hiding. He's hiding in this nasty, dry desert, in these holes in the ground, in these caves in the side of the hill. The men of Keilah, who he had fought for and some of his men had died for, They had rescued them from the Philistines. And you know what they did in return? They were going to give them into Saul's hand. They were going to give David up. And I think he must have been heartbroken. David must have been discouraged, depressed, and down. So as David is there hiding in the wilderness of Ziph, you know who God sends to him? At his moment of greatest discouragement, you know who God sends to him? One of his best buddies. Jonathan. It says in 1 Samuel 23 that Jonathan shows up and it says specifically that Jonathan strengthened David's hand in God. Over and over again, it talks about how Jonathan strengthened his hand in God. Jonathan was there as an encouraging friend. And he shows up and he gives him encouragement about not fearing. He says, don't fear He says, don't fear, number one, because Saul's not going to find you. My dad won't find you. Number two, don't fear because you are going to be king. And number three, don't fear because I am going to stand by your side. I'll be right next to you. Man, we need friends like that, don't we? Who will show up when we're not the most popular. Who will show up when we're discouraged. Who will listen to us. Who will strengthen us in the hand of God. Well, Jonathan and David make another covenant. Basically saying, you know what? I'm going to look after you. And you're going to look after me. And everything's going to be great. And Jonathan goes back. He goes back home. And that must have been so hard to leave your best friend to go back to a dad who basically doesn't like you and is mad well the men of Ziph they find out that David is hiding right there and so it says that the men of Ziph go up to Saul at Gibeah and they say hey isn't David hiding among us he's in our strongholds and specifically he's in the stronghold at Horish on the hill of Hakala, which is south of Jeshimon. I mean, you couldn't be more specific. It's basically saying he's in the state of Missouri in a city called Maryville at this specific address. Boom, go there. Man, things are not going well for David again. He'd just been encouraged and now he's being betrayed. 
You know, it's interesting. During this time, David finds time to write. Isn't that amazing? And during this time, he writes Psalm 54. It says, it is a psalm of David when the Ziphites went and told Saul, is not David hiding among us? That's the very title. It's a masculine or a psalm of David when the Ziphites went and told Saul, is not David hiding among us? He's writing beautiful poetry to the Lord. And the very first verse of Psalm 54 is this, O God, save me by your name and vindicate me by your might. O God, hear my prayer. Give ear to the words of my mouth. But then the last verse is this, for he has delivered me from every trouble and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. What a funny thing to write, right in the middle when your enemies who have thousands upon thousands of an army are coming to get you and they're heading your way and you're in these strongholds trying to hide out in a hole in a cave and you've only got about 600 men at this point and and they're all coming for you and he's saying that eyes of the Lord are upon him and he has nothing to fear because my eyes have looked in triumph on my enemies and my God has delivered me from every trouble. Wow. I wish I had that much confidence, you know? I wish I had that much confidence in God and that much faith. Well, David, he's not in a comfortable or easy place. But he decides, you know, we better get out. So he starts to get out of this stronghold just as Saul shows up. And it says that they all arrive at the same mountain or probably more like a hill. And it says that Saul is descending and about to swarm around David. And it says that David and his men were going on one side of the hill when Saul and his men showed up in their thousands and started going on the opposite side of the hill. And they're much faster and more prepared. And basically, if they keep going in that direction, they are going to eventually quickly surround David on this hill. And what's going to happen? God shows up. That's what happens. Because all of a sudden, just as Saul is about to surround David, up rides, I can imagine a horse. Hey, hey, Saul, and he hands him a message because it says out of the blue, this messenger shows up. And I wonder if it was some divine messenger or if it was a real messenger. I don't know, but the event was real. And he shows up and he says, hey, the Philistines are attacking us. You've got to go help the men of Israel fight the Philistines. You've got to show up. Hurry. The Philistines have made a raid against the land. What? Oh, and so Saul and his army have to rush back home to fight the Philistines. It was so close. Saul was so close to capturing David. They were literally on either side of a hill. 
Saul did not know how close he was to getting David and the men of David are like, yeah, 600 men saved. Yeah. And they called the place the Rock of Escape. Thank you, Lord. We're going to name this place the Rock of Escape. So David, he got out of there and he went to a place called Engedi and hid in their strongholds. Rocks and holes and caves. And he's there hiding in this wilderness of Engedi. Everywhere he goes, the wilderness of Ziph, the wilderness of Engedi. This is not great, comfortable places to hide, but God is protecting him. And it says in 1 Samuel 24, Saul took 3,000 men and they went all over this wilderness. And they went all over looking for David and trying to find him. They kept running away. They kept evading Saul because it says that God did not deliver David into Saul's hand. God was protecting him. That's how he could write Psalm 54. For he has delivered me from every trouble. I don't have anything to fear. God is hiding me. God is protecting me. Well, finally, Saul shows up to Engedi. And he's narrowed the search down. It's interesting, this area of Engedi, I've seen pictures of it, has beautiful caves. And not only that, it has plenty of water and wildlife. It's the one spot you would go to hide in the middle of this horrible wilderness. And David is there hiding in these caves and in these defensive positions. Well, at the beginning of 1 Samuel 24, here he is with 600 men. And it says he's hiding in this massive cave. And it was basically a cave that is also called a sheepfold where you could keep sheep and maybe there was water in the cave and and herds of sheep back then were huge. So you had to have a cave big enough to take your whole herd. So this was a large cave and David is hiding in there with his men. His 600 men who weren't of the best reputation people who might have been thieves and definitely people with bad credit. They're all hiding in there. And Saul shows up. And he's about to walk past this cave or ride past this cave with all his 3,000 troops. And maybe he sends the troops marching past. And Saul's like, whoa, all right, let's stop. And they stop outside the cave. So I was like, you know what? It's been a long journey, a long ride. I have got to go to the bathroom. I've been dying to go for a long time, but you guys wouldn't quit marching. I got to stop here. I got to go to the bathroom. You ever had that on a long trip when you're like, hey, dad. And dad keeps driving me like, man, I got to go bad. And dad's like, oh, well, we'll keep going to the next exit. Please, no, now. I've got to stop. Or if you're an adult and you're driving and you're like, man, I forgot to go at that last gas station. I've just got to go. And so you stop by the side of the road, run off into the fields behind some tree. Well, Saul's like, hey, we've come a long way. We've been searching. 3,000 men stop. 
I gotta go inside this cave and take care of business. So Erby stops his horse, gets out, goes into the cave. And little does he know who's in the cave with him. It's David and his 600 men. They're all there watching him go to the bathroom. If he knew that many people were watching him, it'd be embarrassing, right? I can imagine he takes off his royal robe because he don't want to get that dirty, lays it down. Maybe takes off another garment and lays that down so he's just got his shirt on and he goes off and, and he does his thing. And the men inside the cave, they're all like, yeah, they're really quiet. Yeah, and they look at David, yes. And they say, listen, here is the day which the Lord said to you. He's going he's gonna to give the enemy into your hand. This is it, David. And they're all cheering, all quietly excited. Yeah. And I can imagine David starts to walk towards Saul. And he quietly removes his sword. And Saul's there washing his hands and washing his feet. I don't know. And he's maybe singing a song because you're supposed to sing happy birthday to you three times while washing your hands, right? Or something like that. And he's singing away. And I can imagine David raises his sword above his head. He's about to kill him and gain victory. And then David realizes he can't do this. He can't kill Saul. And instead, what it says is David goes over and looks at the robes that are on the ground and cuts off just a little bit of the robe. And he takes it with him back to his hiding place. And I wonder if his men are like, what are you doing? You could have killed him. What is wrong with you, David? You should have. Why didn't David kill him? I think because David knew some things. Because later on, it says that David then looked at this robe that he cut off. And Saul, you know, quits doing what he's doing and comes back and puts on his outer robe. And then puts on his royal robe and walks out. And he has no clue how close he was to death. And he hops on his horse and is about to head off. David looks at the robe in his hand. And he regrets even cutting off the corner of Saul's robe. And the men come to him and go, what is your problem? You should have killed him. And he's looking at the corner of the robe that he has. And he says to the men, listen, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing. I should not have put out my hand against him. He's the Lord's anointed. The Lord chose him. And he feels bad. And he's persuaded the men Listen, we can't just kill him. God's got to kill him. It's I'm not going to allow you to attack Saul as he's heading out there. I'm not going to allow you to shoot an arrow or stab him all of a sudden as he's riding on his horse. No. And Saul just laughed out of the cave in the middle. Like, we could have attacked him in the cave. We could have hurt him on his way out. See, David spared Saul's life. Because he knew that God's promise was you, David, will inherit the throne of Israel. And he knew that Saul was in the way of that promise, but he also knew it was disobedient of him to kill Saul 
because God put Saul in that position of authority. And it was God's job to take care of Saul, not David's. David wanted the promise of him being king to be fulfilled desperately. But he knew it would be wrong and disobedient for him to kill Saul. That was God's job. It was God's job to remove him from the throne. And it would have been disobedient for David to just come along and do it in his own strength and in his own way. One author put it this way, David was determined that when he sat on the throne of Israel, it wouldn't be because he got Saul out of the way, but because God got Saul out of the way. I mean, talk about sensitive heart. He felt bad even cutting the part of the robe. So I imagine these men are like, yeah, I guess you're right, David. We got to wait on God. And he, he realizes they're riding off and, and he runs out. And he yells out, hey, Saul, Saul. And Saul, what? Is that David? Saul. And Dave, and Saul stops and he turns around and there's David waving a piece of cloth in his hand. It looks surprisingly like my robe. And he looks down and he sees that the robe was cut off. And Saul turns around. And it says that David comes running towards him. And it says that David bows with his face to the earth. He bowed his head all the way down. Saul could have easily killed him there. But again, David is putting his heart and his strength and his whole being in God's hands. That's what he's doing. And David bowing with his face to the earth. He says, you know what? I could have killed you, Saul. And why do you listen to your counselors who say, I'm seeking to kill you? Look, look at the piece of the robe. I could have killed you. I, I, I was right there. I had 600 men. We could have easily, 600 men plus me against one of you. We could have wiped you out, Saul. But I spared you. I mean, look, look at this corner of the robe in my hand. I could have killed you, but instead I just cut off this corner. And please look at this and know that there is no wrong or treason in my heart and my hands. And he goes, there's an ancient proverb that says, out of the wicked comes wickedness. And look, I could have killed you. I could have acted wickedly, but I didn't. Therefore, I'm not wicked. Please stop pursuing me. May the Lord be our judge and give sentence between me and you and plead my case and please deliver me from your hand. Saul looks at David. It says that Saul began to weep. He goes, you have repaid me good when I've been giving you evil. You have repaid me good when, when I've just been paying you with evil. And, and you could have killed me. And, and the Lord delivered me into your hands, but you could have killed me. And Saul is weeping and he's crying. And he is totally broken up. And he says to David, this is proof. The Lord really has given you the throne. 
He's really putting the throne in in your hands. And and he says that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. And he says, this is proof that you shall surely be king. And he's weeping. And it's such an emotional response. And then he says, swear to me. Please swear to me someday when you're king that you won't cut off my offspring, that you won't totally wipe them out. Please, please. And he's weeping. And David swore that I will not wipe you out. I will not wipe out your house completely. I will not kill off all your your ancestors. I promise you I won't. And Saul leaves weeping and it says Saul goes home. And David goes finally home to relax. No. Saul goes home, but David goes back to the nasty desert. He doesn't go home. Things aren't great between them. You know, I think it's interesting that that Saul is emotionally upset And he realizes the sin that he's given towards David. And he finally realizes David doesn't deserve it. And he has a moment of spiritual clarity when he is convicted of his own sin. But he goes back home. And he goes back to doing exactly what he's doing. And he disobeys God. Saul's heart doesn't change. One person wrote, if a man is emotionally upset as Saul was and awakens to his condition as Saul was, but only weeps about it and still doesn't obey God, his second state is a thousand times worse than the first. Emotion that does not lead to action only leads deeper into sin and rebellion. This author is correct. That's what you find with Saul. He's emotionally upset, but it doesn't lead to repentance and change. It did in that moment, but he continues to pursue after David to kill him. He doesn't change. He doesn't repent. He doesn't obey God. And like this author wrote, it is a thousand times worse for Saul. So David is in a stronghold. By the Dead Sea, the stronghold of Engedi, in the middle of the wilderness. Nice water, nice caves, a nice area where he's at, but it's not back home sleeping under the stars with his mom and his dad and his beautiful wife, Michael. No, that's... He's still stuck out here in Engedi with 600 men many of whom have bad credit, bad attitudes, and bad reputations. Saul, repentant for the moment, is still trying to kill David and will try to kill David with his thousands of men in his army. What's going to happen? Where do we go next? What does David do next? If you come back next week, you will find out. But there's a couple things I think you need to take from this story. Number one, when you make a big decision, don't just rush out and do it. Ask God for help, for wisdom, for direction. We can pray as Christians, and man, we need to do that. 
Secondly, if, if David can rejoice in the middle of the wilderness, how the Lord has protected him. If David can write Psalm 54, which is full of how God is going to protect his people and how David is going to offer a sacrifice to you and how he's going to give thanks to your name, Lord, for it is good and how the Lord is the upholder of my life and how God is my helper. If David can rejoice in the middle of some of the darkest saddest moments of his life, man, we can too. We need to offer praise, especially when it gets dark, especially when it gets discouraging. And then the other thing I just want to say is, I think we learned from David, we got to wait and be patient. Wait and be patient. And be careful to not try to do things in your own power, in your own strength, in your own might. He could have killed Saul but he has a tender heart, the Holy Spirit in his life saying, don't. I will take care of you. I will remove Saul. Be patient, David. Trust me. Thank you for listening to Bald Head Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.